Hey everybody, wanted to welcome you to Venture, a constant work in progress for people who are just the same. Our goal here is to really try and demystify creativity and the creative mind. We don't think that you have to be born doing it, but we do think that your curiosity can get you to where you need to be. So here we chat with some of our friends to hear about their journey and the landmarks that help shape who they are. Enjoy. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into another episode of the Venture Podcast. It's, it's definitely been a while. Um, also wanted to thank our guests this week for re-recording this episode because I, due to a, my own error, did not record our initial interview, which was great, but we're going to try and make sure we capture all the, the amazing parts of um, my friend's story that he had to share last time. So um, without further ado, um, Ebu, my friend is a, he's a founder of a brand called Live Breathe Football, um, based out of Philly. Um, and just want to tell him a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so like you said, my name is Abun, uh, founder of a soccer lifestyle apparel brand called Live Breed Football. Um, so I was born and raised in Nigeria. Um, family moved to New Jersey when I was about 10 years old. Um, you know, I grew up watching playing soccer, so that was sort of very foundational for me. Um, but I also grew up like drawing, painting, making t-shirts and that. So that was also foundational for me. And then when I was in college, I decided to sort of put those two things together, to think two things I was really passionate about. Um, and create something out of it, which which is literally football. So it's been in existence for about nine years now, um, and it's sort of my full-time job, my career, um, my sort of mission in life. Um, yeah, that's the the short of it, the short version of it. That's awesome. And something we'd like to focus on, especially through this podcast, is like ending up, not ending up, um, but getting into a uh, creative career, getting into the design field in general, um, through a path that people don't typically expect. It's not like you went to design school to do this, um, this very thing that you're doing right now. What did you study when you went to school? Uh, I studied architecture. Okay. So, I mean, architecture is design, but not directly related to, to what I'm doing right now. Right, right. But I still feel like it was foundational for me to have that that education. Yeah. And I think the interesting part about architecture, which is something that like I take a lot of interest in, um, like even when I was in school trying to figure out like my school didn't have an architecture program per se, but I think just understanding how architecture is a lot of it is about like structure and context. And there's like a lot of things that you can take and apply to other disciplines. I feel like that's something that's, kind of rings true for LBF because you're trying to understand the world of soccer and translate that um, into something that people can latch onto. Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. I think, uh, you know, in the program I did at Temple, I think was foundational in that sense because, you know, we had technical courses, right? Like you learn about sort of structure, um, you know, building fabrication. You learn about all the, the sort of the technical aspects of, of design, um, but it was more so there's a lot of focus on sort of like the approach to problem solving, right? Um, and I think architecture, like other design disciplines, is just sort of an, a perspective on the world and how you sort of solve a challenge that's in front of you. So sort of taking that was really helpful in LBF because again, I am 
maybe not necessarily trying to solve a problem, but I am trying to, you know, I have a perspective on the world, right? And, and, and as it relates to soccer and, and fashion, and sort of I'm trying to sort of get that perspective to be seen and adopted by a large amount of people. Um, right. So yeah, all of it really still applies. You know, a lot, like I've always been sort of very hands, um, hands-on kind of person. I've always loved to build things, build models, and that still applies to this day. You know, we could, when we moved into our office, yeah, we could have bought furniture, but I was like, you know what? I like the challenge of designing and building the furniture that's going to live in our office, right? So um, I think that's a part of me that's just sort of innate. um, And I don't think that'll ever go away. Um, But in the same sense of, you know, how you might have like a certain sort of material options for a building, right? You have the sort of same fabric options when you're making clothing. Right, you kind of have to go through that process of okay, what what are the sort of properties of this material, of this fabric, and how does it tell the story that we want it to tell? Like how how does how does it work for the person, the end user? So these are all sort of very architectural um, approaches to to design and problem solving that still applies in fashion. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I think there are a lot of not a lot, but like there are quite a few successful fashion designers who have an architecture background, you know, Virgil Abloh is somebody that comes to mind, you know, he sort of, he sort of takes a very deconstructive approach to, to his design work and we see that it works, right? So I think um, architecture is probably one of the few majors that gives you the foundation to be able to be anything that you want to be. Knowing, like, knowing that earlier on, um, like, do you think that this is something that, like, you did as a kid where you, like, were you drawing a lot? Were you like, were there things that sort of were like seeds that turned into this? Or like, did you see yourself doing something else? Um, I mean, as a kid, right, I always drew, you know, and I think so for me, as a kid, I, I could never sit sit still, right? And that was sort of always bothered my parents. Um, but I won't say that. The figure they gave me, when they gave me a pen and a uh, pen or pencil and paper, that that was the only time I would really sit for an extended period. Yeah. So for them, they were like, that was like that aha moment. Oh, he likes to draw. This is something that he um, he enjoys doing. So um, yeah, I always had kind of had that artistic background. Like I would always draw as a kid, always paint. Um, well, I started painting more so because my sister did. Um, I was always more like, I always preferred a pencil. Um, and obviously as I got older, when I moved to America, I wanted to sort of apply my artistic abilities to different media, right? And sort of t-shirts yeah. became that next thing. It's like, okay, like with a drawing, like if I walk around with a sketchbook, unless you ask to see what's in that sketchbook, you don't know what's in there, right? But if I paint a t-shirt, everyone gets to see it, right? Once I wear it, yeah. everyone. And so for me, that was sort of a way of, I guess in a way learning marketing too, was like, you know, I, the first t-shirt I made, I painted it for myself and I wore it to school and kids were like, yo, that's fresh. Like, can you make me one? Mm-hmm. And now it's how I was able to earn you know, money back in high school, right? So that was, yeah. that was another aha moment that went off in my head. I was like, oh, okay, this is something I could potentially do um, down the line. But yeah, like art and sort of being creative has always been something that's been, um, you know, part of my life for as long as I can remember. Do you feel like that restlessness sort of carries on to like who you are now? Because I think that's something that like I can also also relate to and like friends of mine who like, you're you're after something and like anything that lines up with that point of view or like kind of feeds you in a way is something that like you can't stop thinking about it like you want to pick up your phone and like write something down or like pick up your sketchbook and like write something like that kind of helps 
crystallize that idea, like get it out of your own head a little bit more. Yeah, I think for me, as an adult, right, like that restlessness has to be channeled and controlled, right? And I've right. gotten better at that. But I think it's by doing what you just said, it's like writing things down, getting ideas out of my head, right? And then realizing that, okay, like as, as I'm older now, like not every idea has to sort of get my undivided attention right now because then it just becomes yeah. sort of like hyperactive and you just kind of like, you never get anything done. You just sort of go in a bunch of different directions. Right. But it's important for me to sort of write ideas down um, and think of, okay, is this idea valid? How do I go through the process of like realizing this idea? What are the resources I need to commit to get to seeing this idea? Right. Um, and so I've been able to create a framework that helps manage that restlessness. But I still think that restlessness is important because that restlessness was what created LBF, right? That sense of like, I have to do this now, right? Um, and I think that's sort of what all great ideas come from is this sense of like, this just has to live beyond outside of my head. This has to live in reality. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that restlessness sort of drives innovation. It drives creativity. I think um, it, it can be a, it can be a hindrance, but like if, if you know how to control it, it can be a very, very powerful force. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's something that like I've, that's happened to me a lot with this venture project and just figuring out like what are the different things that like I want to say with this project um, and trying to figure out like, is it something that has to do with merch? Is it something that's like this, where it's like giving people something that they can use on their own journey and like trying to think of like different ways that this project can speak to people and give people something that they can appreciate um, in one way or another. Um, So that's, I guess that's say all that to say, like, I think staying objective with yourself is something that's like, I think is, is really important so that you can like help separate out those ideas that are like worth pursuing versus the things that are like, um, it could be something that like you don't need to do right now. Right. Exactly. And I think that's sort of part of maturing, um, and having experiences sort of being able to sort of filter and say, okay, this is an idea. I don't even know if it's a good idea or not, but it's here, it's somewhere. Right. Um, that can always refer back to it, right? And this idea is important, this idea is urgent, this idea is expedient, and then you sort of go in that direction. Right. Are there any things that you've um, made for LBF like recently that you may have come up with a while ago and like you thought you needed to do it then, but they kind of, as life happens, as like, whether it's like um, resources or skills that you feel like you needed to get it done, like, do you think that you just kind of have to put some stuff away for a little bit? Um, oh, dude, there's, there's plenty. Um, I mean, there's ideas we have still in the tank that like haven't seen the light of day just because for, as I envision that idea coming to life, I don't think we're at a place that can support that yet. Right. Um, and there's also ideas where like, you know, with the, with the pants, for example, the maestro pan, which is one of our best sellers, it was, I initially drew the, the initial sketch was created in 2012, right? The pants dropped in 2016. And you ask to say, okay, what happened in those four years between that initial sketch and the thing was, I sketched the pants, but at the time we were just making t-shirts where we'd screen print graphics that I designed on a blank t-shirt. So we didn't really have any knowledge of cut and sew, fabrics, anything like that. So I had to sort of learn all of that 
then find a factory, go through dozens of samples, because I had no idea how the process worked towards at all, right? Yeah. And eventually say, okay, now we have a pant that we feel comfortable with, and now, okay, now how do we even bring this to market? Because again, we went from, you can order 50 shirts, right? Which costs a few hundred dollars, to now you gotta order 500 to 1,000 units from a factory, and you need to pay that money up front, you don't have any leverage. So there was so many different components that went into making that first pant that was beyond just like, oh, here's a pant design, let's make it, right? Right, right. So there's sort of the financing of it, the marketing of it, um, the technical aspects of it, the you know supply chain management. There's so many things that go into making yeah. a product. So for, for us, and that's one example of a product that took a long time to manifest um, just because we just didn't have the, the capacity when the idea presented itself. Right. Um, but as a brand has grown and as soccer's popularity in America has grown, um, we've kind of said, okay, you know what, like let's expand the brand because we realize now in the beginning, it was just for like really, really die hard, like live, breathe football. If, if that resonates with you, then the brand is for you. And that's still very much the case. But now today it's saying, you know, we realize that there are a lot of people who could be potential soccer fans who maybe not even know that, yeah. right? And kind of use soccer, sort of use LBF as a brand, as a fashion brand, to sort of bring them into the fold, right? Say, sure. you know, this, I, I like this shirt, this shirt is dope, I need to have this shirt. And that becomes sort of like their um, exposure to the game, right? And then maybe they'll like, you know, start watching games or whatever the case may be. Or just like, you know, if you're wearing, you know, I have the turbo shorts and it says livery football across the front. A lot of people that bought the shirts don't care for soccer, don't play the game. We just love the way the shorts look. But then if they're wearing a mask, I'm like, oh, you like soccer, that kind of thing. And then that, that can sort of spark a conversation. So I'd say in that sense, that's how the one way that like, the brand has changed and evolved is by sort of using the clothing as a way to um, spread the, the message and love for the game rather than being yeah. sort of very exclusive or, you know, very like shutting thing. Like, only really diehard people who live and breathe football, you know, are, you know, are allowed to wear this brand, if that makes sense. Right, and I, I think that that even, that ties to that like maturity aspect that you mentioned earlier of like being able to evolve as like your audience and like the world around you evolves. Like I think I remember telling you that like, I think the the maestro pants that you'd made were like really good, like these are good traveling pants because they're so like, they're so light and they're so breathable. I was like, yo, I, I can kick a ball at best. Um, that, but I'm not like, I'm not out here like actually playing soccer in them, but at the same time, like they're comfortable. But like, that's something that like you can use to like kind of latch on to like other people who just want to rep this brand in their own way, um, which is yeah. super cool to see. Yeah, that's that's the thing too. Like, cause I realized, you know, cause for me, I tried to keep my ear to the street, um, and say, how can we constantly evolve what we're doing? How can we be, you know, be better than we were yesterday, last year, so on and so forth. And part of that's just learning like what people like and trying to sort of come approach them from the place of like where they're at versus like trying to get them to like meet us where we think we're at. You know what I mean? And what I mean by that is just saying, look, like, okay. Most people, what do they want from a pen? They want something that's comfortable and, you know, lightweight that just sort of like works in so many different settings, right? And I realized that when we were developing the pant, like that was part of the ethos of the design was saying, look, the, you know, the, the pant was inspired by the fact that like when I was in college, right, I would go to class 
And right after class, I'd run straight to the field to play. And I'm like, well, could we make a pant that like works well in both settings? So I don't have to change. I just have to basically take my boots, my sneakers off, whatever, put my boots on and I'm ready to play. Right. Cause a lot of times you'd get to the field and you're like, oh shit, like teams are already for me. You don't want to sit out for the second game. You want to kind of jump right in. Right. And I realized that idea works for so many different people, soccer, no soccer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, you want to, you want to fly? Okay, great. Here's a pair of pants you can wear to the plane, you know, on the plane, wear off the plane, like in so many different settings that works. And it's okay, how do we tell that message and sell that to people outside sort of that realm of soccer? And say, look, yeah, you just want a pair of pants like you can wear in any different scenario. Great. Here, here's that pant for you. Right? Yeah. Because you, can, you will get the same thing out of it that a soccer player gets. Even though the, the pants are designed and built where they, you can play soccer and you can sort of do all sorts of like moves. You can slide tackle, do whatever, and they'll hold up. But for somebody else who, who's maybe a runner or not even athletic at all, they can still benefit from having that product. And, and that's sort of yeah. what I had to learn was, okay, how do you approach, how do you sort of tell the story of the product in a different way to different people? The person who loves LBF, right? loves the brand and the messaging behind the brand and the i keep using that word ethos because i think it, it, it fits well and so that ethos can be applied to so many different products it doesn't have to just be clothing right so for example i think myself as someone who's if i didn't create lbf i'd be a fan of the brand and i'd wear the brand right and for me now i'm you know i'm 30 years old now like i love i've always loved product design i've always loved furniture design i've always loved like architecture, fashion, music, all those things. And those things together, all together, sort of create this idea of lifestyle, right? Like, you know, people come to my apartment and they go like, yeah, this is very you. You know what I mean? Like, even though in my apartment, I don't particularly have anything LBF up, it's still me, right? So for me, the LBF is saying, you know what, we make really amazing clothing, but like, what else can we make that someone like myself can be like, you know what, yeah, I would buy an LBF rug, for example, because I'm into sort of like, home decor. Like I want my place to look a certain way. Right. Um, for example, it's, you know, we think about, you know, sort of making it and I've created a game. That's what she said, um, which is completely separate from LBF, but the idea is, okay, well, would someone who likes LBF want sort of an LBF created game? What does that even look like? Right. So it's constantly asking these questions of saying, okay, how can we take this mission and this idea that of the brand that people love and give people different product options that expands way beyond just yeah, for, sure. for me, it's, it's always a, a, a challenge. Um, I always want to push and never want to sort of be in the same place, you know, constantly. So it's like, okay, how sure. can we be better? How can we evolve? How can we change? How can we grow? Um, because that perspective alone, you'll learn something from that. Whether it's the right thing or wrong thing to do, you, you yeah. have to do it first before you even know what the response is going to be. Yeah. And as, as LBF has evolved too, like how, like when did you finally understand that you wanted to like really build a team around this thing and like understand how to like delegate different aspects of this brand to people? Uh, when I was pulling 12, 14 hour days and I was like, this is not sustainable and realizing yeah. that, um, well, one, it wasn't sustainable, two, it wasn't scalable, right? I can't scale myself. Like I, I only have so much brain power, so much human capital, so much energy. Yeah. Um, and realizing that, okay, the more and more I only, I do everything myself, it was becoming sort of hurtful to the business rather than like helping. 
So I knew, okay, I need, I need to build a team because that's going to be how we grow the business and grow the brand because yeah. it also sort of forced me to learn how to sort of document things, processes. Like, Cause a lot of, when you're an entrepreneur, right? You start by yourself, everything lives in your head. You know how to do everything. You know how to do the marketing and the sales and the product design or whatever else you're doing. But then in order to grow, that has to sort of live outside of your head. You have to learn how to sort of train people. Right. So for a while it was good because I was able to learn every aspect of our business, like front to back. But then it was like, okay, now we need to grow. Now we need to, to, to get to another, to another level. And that requires me to be able to tell someone to communicate to them, Hey, here's what we need to do. And here's how we need to do it. Right. And then let them sort of take that particular position, make it their own. And then I'll even learn, you know, cause a lot of time when you're doing everything, you're very inefficient in a lot of areas. Right. Um, so when you sort of delegate things, you start learning how to sort of be create efficiency. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, it was, um, it took a while to kind of know that, but then it took even longer to like, actually like say, you know what, I'm going to actually force myself to start looking for help and start delegating. And, And then part of delegating is also letting people make mistakes and learn from their mistakes and not always being there to like micromanage and be like, oh, yeah, I already know how to do this. It's like, no, let them do it. Let them figure out. Uh, In in a way, like it's a new job, right? Even though like some of it's marketing, some of it's social, whatever, whatever, like it's still a new position, right? It's still like a very specific position to our current size and our current vision. Um, So, yeah, it it was definitely, it took a while for me to to get comfortable with sort of letting go of, of a lot of that control. Yeah. I mean, I think there's also a lesson in like delegating too early, um, which kind of leads to a lot of that micromanaging sometimes or delegating too late, which like kind of drives you crazy. So I think being able to like kind of free up your your time to like focus on other other things that like involve like setting the vision for what is like LBF and like other things that you're working on right now, like are there other things that you have going that like are not directly related to LBF? I know you mentioned that that's what she said game, but like, what else have you been kind of grinding on to just like fill time and keep yourself engaged? Yeah. I mean, so right now I'm, I've got another business. I've got a sort of a consultant firm that I, I guess I'm sort of a year and a half, two years into it. Um, and I sort of created that firm to kind of, as an umbrella for all the other projects, like my non-LBF projects. So that's what she said as part of that. Um, you know, being that I've done LBF for so long, I know how to do merch, right? Creating pro- like clothing and stuff is something that I'm very good at. And I realized that that's a transferable skill. There are other companies and people and organizations that can benefit from that expertise that I've built. So the consulting firm kind of like, so all those other projects live under that. So um I work with um, Color of Change, one of the biggest um, nonprofit sort of social justice organizations in, in the country. Um, so I do a lot of their merch um, through my consulting company. Um, I recently got another client, like a motorcycle shop in Boston. They want to kind of build out their retail, their sort of merch line. So I'm going to be doing that project as well. Um, so that's kind of it for right now. You know, again, right, I still only have so much time in a day. So I want yeah. to kind of make sure that like, I'm given all my projects the they're just due um without taking on too much because at some point like the the you know there's there's an opportunity cost to taking on too much right like something starts to suffer you know if you if you take on too much so 
yeah, that's kind of what I have going on outside of LBF right now. And it, it, it's dope because I get to flex my creative muscles in, in different ways. And I get to apply what I've learned from LBF, you know, in, in different ways. And that kind of keeps me fresh and keeps me learning. Yeah. I mean, with, with all that you've got going on too, like, when do you know, like when you hit a wall and you kind of just need to like step back from things and, and relax? Cause I think there's always like this, there's like a myth of like the always on like entrepreneur, which you kind of spoke to earlier um, when it comes to delegating and making sure that like things are being run efficiently. But like, when do you kind of know that you've hit that personal wall of like, okay, you know, like maybe I need to step back from this. Um, I know that I've hit that wall when like I'm at the office and I'm just kind of going through the motions, right? Like, and, I'm, and I've gotten better at just sort of being like, okay, this is what's happening. I'm getting burned out and I need to take a break, right? And I've also gotten better at sort of retraining, re like reconditioning my mind to out of that, like, you know, rise and grind, always hustle, hustle, hustle. Like if I'm not working, then I'm sort of falling behind mindset, right? Yeah. Because I had to be honest with myself, it was like a lot of the things that have, you know, the moments where we've experienced like exponential growth, right? Didn't come by me putting in so many more hours, right? It came by maybe a seed that was planted a couple of years back. Maybe like I made a connection that then materialized into something else, right? And sure, like all of you can say, all of that comes from like the countless hours that you've put in. But the reality is like sometimes those moments of like those inflection points where things just really kind of like get to that next level comes when like I'm not, I don't have my foot, you know, all the way on the gas pedal, right? Yeah. And like the reality is just like, you know, I can't work if I'm dead, right? I can't work if I'm sick, right? So yeah. the reality is I need to sort of take care of myself because again, this is a, this is a marathon, this is in the sprint, you know, um, LBF exists outside of my outside of me it's bigger than me now so i need to make sure that like in order to get it to keep getting bigger i need to be at my best and part of that sort of prioritizing rest and recovery like i've gotten to realize that there's like this difference between like just being busy for the sake of being busy or saying that like 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 what does busy even mean right now it's like you can't like you can't always be on like that or just you're not efficient um it's just something that, like i've come to realize recently too where it's like the constant like go 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 um just yeah it, it doesn't always work um when you're trying to work on something that like is meant to last long term yeah and i, and I think too like another thing that that's important to mention is like our lives are much bigger than our career or work Right. There's so much more to you as a person, to me as a person, to everyone than just like, oh, this is what I do for work. And I think we live in a culture that sort of where our values sort of our value to society is strongly tied to like our what we can produce. Right. And this idea of even being efficient as a person is, is even kind of weird. It's like as a person like you're, I think, by definition, inefficient. Right. Like, but. For me now, it's, you know, before it's like, I would wake up and the first thing in my mind was like, okay, I just need to like brush my teeth, shower, and then head out the door because like, I've got to get to work, right? I've got to get to work, I've yeah. got to get to work. And I was like, I work for myself. Like, why am I in a rush to, like, you know what I mean? Like the reality is like, I created this, I went, I went down this path because I wanted to sort of be in control of my time. So how come I'm, I've become a slave 
to my own to something I created. Like that doesn't make sense. Like I'm just right. in a rat race, like just like everyone else. If I'm just like waking up and going right to work. So yeah. for me, I'd say, look, I want to make sure I'm living a, a fulfilled life and a life that's sort of very well-rounded. So I prioritize, you know, for me, like meditation is important. I reading and learning new things is important. Working out is important. Like, you know, other things that I care about are important to me. Just as much, just as important as this business that I'm trying to build, right? Like one, like I need right. to sort of like keep, telling myself that like, look, these other areas of my life are just as, as important. Like I need to feel fulfilled outside of LBF because it's not the only thing in my life, you know? Yeah. And I've, I've, I've also realized like, you know, in, especially now with quarantine and COVID and all this kind of like, the business has grown tremendously in the last six months, right? Since COVID started. And I think a lot of that's because I've prioritized other things that are not just LBF, right? I've prioritized, okay, I need to make sure every day I'm meditating, every day I'm working out, you know, every day I'm reading, every day I'm journaling, right? And I realized part of that has also made me a better business person, entrepreneur, you know, creative person, because like, yeah. and my mind is not just like an LBF, like it needs to be able to think about other things, you know what yeah. I mean? So function, be well-rounded. So yeah, it's just like, you know, for me, it was just realizing that those things are just as important. They're not just sort of like things by the wayside, you know? For sure. No, that's awesome. But yeah, I mean, is there, is there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners, especially for people who are like, thinking like the person who's like, might have just left school and is like probably mm-hmm. still in school right now, just trying to figure out like what they want to do next, or even the person who's already going and is, is still sorting stuff out. You know, it's always tough to answer that, right? Because I think it's always a very personal thing. Like what for sure. for me may not necessarily work for you or for somebody else. Um, but the one thing I will say that I think that should that will work for everyone else is just be true to yourself. Like listen to yourself. You know, like for me, I knew very early on that like graduating, like getting a real job, you know, like was just not for me. Like I knew yeah. that core right so i knew okay if i'm going to be successful in life i have to figure out how to make a living doing something that like i cared about deeply because again this whole idea of me not being able to sit down as a kid right even as an adult was manifesting itself and like whenever i had like little campus jobs and i'm okay if i if this is how i'm going to be i mean i will not thrive in a sort of corporate environment i just knew that about myself so i knew okay i need i need to figure something out. I, I want to be successful in life i knew that i knew that much but I needed to figure something else that I could sort of, that was equivalent to me. My parents gave me a pen and paper as a kid that would just let me sort of lock in and focus on that. And building this business was that for me. And I was very, and I feel very lucky that I, you know, discovered it early on in my life and had the courage and the conviction to like go after it. And I think that's really the word is that that sense of like courage and conviction, you know, because when you're leaving school, like that's a very uncertain time in your life you know, for anyone. Um, obviously, unless, of course, you know, some people just know exactly what they want to do. They've done that major. They've already, like, gotten, like, jobs, offers and all that sort of thing. I don't think this is this piece of advice is for that person. I think it's for that someone, someone who's kind of like, you know, I'm not exactly sure what I want to do. Um, so I think it's, you know, definitely figure out a way to earn a living, right? Um, 
you know, people always talk about like, oh, follow your passions, do what makes you happy. And the reality is we live in a society that where like you need to make money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, if you have a sort of a support system, that's definitely helpful where, where you can sort of chase your passions because you, you know you have that, that safety net. Um, I didn't have that. And in retrospect, that's why it took so long to get LBF to where it's at now, because again, I didn't have that safety and I didn't have parents that were, you know, would support me. So I lived in sort of very, you know, like not shitty conditions, but like I made a lot of sac- personal sacrifices in order to build a business. Cause like I wasn't able to make enough money to live comfortably and build a business. So I was able to, okay, whatever money the business makes, I'm going to put it back into the business and like use that to grow the business. till. I got to a point where like, okay, you know what? Now I can sort of, you know, take money from the business and things like that, right? Not everyone has that. Um, I guess that tenacity or like, I don't even know if it, if it was even smart to even to even do it that way. You know what I mean? Like, so I can't give anyone that, comfortably give anyone that advice, but I would say, look, find something that you can earn a living doing. There's no shame in doing a nine to five. But if you have something that you know for a fact, like this is just like that burning thing, then you've got to make the sacrifice of maybe you stay up later to work on it. Maybe you, you know what I mean? Like you have to figure out a way. And I don't know what that way is for anyone else. I just knew that this is my way and how I did it and what worked for me, you know? But I will say like, if you're conv- you have a conviction about something, you just feel like, oh dude, like I just have to do this thing. I think that's a great space to be in life. And I think you have to listen to that voice. Yeah. And I, I was definitely someone who like going into college, I was, one of those people who had like from when I started and like several moments within where I was just like not sure what it was that I wanted to do. Like I thought I was going to be majoring in computer science when I went into school and it was like definitely something that was like partially motivated that like by the pressure that my um, my parents had put on me mm-hmm. to major in something that like everybody either understands or is like on paper supposed to be very lucrative for you, but like mm. I knew I wouldn't be happy doing long term. So that that advice of um like staying true to yourself, I think sometimes people might take that for granted because it's been like taken as almost cliche, but like it's very easy to forget. It's Yeah, it is. And I, I think part of some things are cliche because they're just like universal truths that people just don't yeah. want to <laughs> you know. So yeah man. I really appreciate you doing this um, bro. and super excited to see what's next for, for you and for LBF. Um, Dude, it's just constant. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited myself. You know what I mean? Like your know, next year is going to be our like 10 year anniversary. And I think it's sort of really fascinating to me that I've dedicated 10 years to something. Um, Cause I remember when I started the business, the brand, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this at least 10 years and then we'll see where we're at. I'll reevaluate in 10 years. And, you know, I feel still like we still have so much to do, so much story to tell, um, and just so much growth to to experience. I, I mean, I just, I just, I'm still fascinated by the fact that like this thing is something that exists now, and it was literally an idea in my head, and that I put into a sketchbook. I still, remember, I still have the first Liz Weeks football sketchbook, right? The first drawing in the sketchbook, and now. It's an international brand. We have customers in 60 plus countries. We've done collaborations with like some major players in the space. And I still feel like there's a lot more to do, right? Um, And just even the fact that like, I'm able to like make a a comfortable living (laughs) by 
like I basically created a job for myself. Like that's forever fascinating to me, you know, like, and so I, I think it, it gives me more motivation and confidence because like, wow, like what else can I accomplish? What else can I do in life? Because the thing that, you know, 21 year old me was like, oh, I, I know I can do that. I know I can do that, right? I didn't know I could do it, but like, I believed I could, right? And to see where it's at now and where it can be is, is a very, very exciting prospect for me. And well, thank you so much again. Uh, thank you, bro. We appreciate it. Um, want to thank everybody for listening. Um, as always, if you have any questions for us, please feel free to shoot us a, a DM. Um, and we'll put our um, Instagram and everything in, uh, in the podcast notes. And thanks again.